You are listening to Self Shoots from the Hip Podcast with your host, Joshua Self. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode. A lot of states are going to be opened up soon. Not fully, you know, there's going to be some restrictions or whatnot. And it's important for everyone to, you know, follow those guidelines and, you know, take care of ourselves as we try to get through what may be the last leg. Um, I guess we're going to find out one way or the other. But there's been a lot of people who kind of defied what was going on and what is still going on and kind of decided to do their own thing for whatever reason. And I want to talk a little bit about that with the beginning of my story, my predecessor, uh, my father, Mr. Juan Self. Wow. I didn't know I would enter into thunderous applause, but I'm oh, yeah. happy to be here with my son. Yeah, I got to roll out the red carpet for you. You know, you're All right. the specialist of guests, you know. Well, I, I appreciate that. And uh, you are the most special host I think I've ever spoken with. <laughs> so um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Bishop Gerald Glenn, um, he was the Bishop of New Deliverance Evangelistic Church in uh, Richmond, Virginia. And, you know, his church was recorded. Um, and during one of his services, he, you know, proudly pronounced that he believed that God is bigger than the virus, which you know, that's a true statement. And he asked people to stand up so that everyone could see, you know, how many people were in his church even though uh, the state had issued orders for people to stay home and whatnot. And not long after that, he contracted the virus, and then he subsequently passed away. So it's clear that there are a lot of people who kind of disregard the things that are going on, you know, the, the scientists, the experts, the doctors and all that have you know recommended people to uh, follow these particular rules and people feel like, well, because I'm a person of faith, like somehow I'm exempt from following these rules, which has led to this man contracting the disease and passing away. Other people within his church have contracted it. And it's something that could have probably been avoided if he had just heeded, you know, the words of the experts. So you, you know, being a pastor and being a man of God, how important is it for you to exercise caution um, even though you have faith? Like, how do you put those two together? Well, I think the, I would phrase it a little bit differently. I would say, how do you exercise faith when uh, you also need to be cautious? And that's really I think the heart of what faith is, is not anything that is blind. Faith is, uh, actually has substance. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so um, certainly I think uh, the bishop's demise is tragic, uh, but it also highlights the fact that even though we are men and women of faith, 
we believe in God. And yes, God is bigger than coronavirus. But uh, to that, I also say that God is also bigger than gravity. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's great, bigger than uh, substance. And so uh, by that same token, we don't um, take gravity frivolously. We don't go and jump off of a building or we don't go and uh, stand in the middle of the street in the name of our faith because we understand that uh, there is a danger and there is a reality that uh, gravity is real, uh, momentum is real. So we exercise caution every day. That same person likely would hold their child's, their young child's hand as they cross the street. That same person would likely uh, go to the doctor and uh, have their child vaccinated for various childhood diseases like measles, mump, rubella, etc. And so um, I think in this particular instance, it is very similar to what we do every day. And that is we do listen to experts. We do listen to our uh, medical advisors, our doctors, healthcare professionals on a day-to-day basis. Uh, If my arm is broken, I'm going to go to uh, a hospital or uh, an emergency room or minor med facility. If uh, I have a high fever not even related to COVID, whether if uh, I've had the flu before on uh, a number of occasions in the past, and when the symptoms get severe enough, I seek medical attention. And so that has nothing to do with whether or not I have faith in God. Of course, I believe that God can heal. He's the author of healing, but God is also the author of physics. And so um, this entire world is his and Uh, The availability of medicine, the availability of uh, technology uh, in our lives is is as real as our faith is. And so uh, when we think about faith, uh, we speak words to bring those things that we desire into existence. And so um, uh, faith does not uh, does not disagree with science. God is the author of faith. He is the author of science as well. And so he set all of these laws in motion. And I think uh, from a caution standpoint, we take reasonable precautions every day of our lives. We're not frivolous with certain things because we know they can be dangerous. And in fact, if they are taken frivolously, they are dangerous. Mm -hmm. There's a passage in the Bible where you know, the devil tempts uh, Jesus and he basically asks him, like, hey, um, you know, cast yourself off this mountain and, you know, God will command the angels to come catch you. And Jesus basically, is, his response is, you know, don't test the Lord, you know. And so it, it seems like we're supposed to, you know, we, we take precaution, we... uh check the weather before we go outside. Do I need an umbrella? Do I need a jacket? You know, if we want, uh, you know, proper nutrition, you know, we we look at the back of the label or, you know, we we do our research on things to make sure that we're taken care of. And even if Jesus himself is like, I'm not going to do something uh, to put myself in danger, you know, for, for no reason or whatever, like just to say that, well, he's God, so he has to do this, whatever. Um, 
And so when we do things like holding church in defiance of you know what the experts are telling us to do, it does seem like we're trying to test God. And it seemed like in this particular case, at least, uh, he was like, yeah, I kind of gave you some warning, like, you know, through men, I was like, hey, this is actually what you should be doing. And people are just really being disobedient, which had an unfortunate consequence, you know. Um, the fact that some of his church members also contracted is like really unfortunate um, that that happened to them. So, well, I, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I certainly agree with that. The the lessons that we should learn, I believe, is that, first of all, God is not the author of confusion. Uh, God has order and everything should be done decently and in order. The And, and I will say that, and I want to couch this against uh, the backdrop of man's law. I believe that God's law supersedes man's law. However, God himself uh, told us through Jesus and through the uh, disciples and apostles that we are, uh, God is the one who gives authority and we are to obey those who are in authority. Jesus Christ, when, uh, was, when he was asked with respect to paying taxes, whether we, uh, they should give their taxes to Caesar and Jesus asked to uh, bring him a coin and it said whose inscription uh, is upon the coin and it was Caesar and so uh, Jesus said render to Caesar what is Caesar's and render to God what is God and so God ordains authority even when Christ was before Pilate Pilate said to Christ don't you know that I have the authority to send you to the cross or to free you and Jesus said to him, you would have no authority except my father in heaven gives it to you. So all authority comes from God. And so uh, we are to obey those who are in authority. But I also want to uh, let your listeners know that with respect to God's law, it is a higher law. It is a law of the heart. God's law is not just what we do or don't do, but it is what we believe, what we think, which then affects what we do or what we don't do, not the consequences or uh, being in trouble or uh, having a bad outcome, but it is what's in our heart. And that's really how God fashions this world. And he, his desire is for us to follow him uh, and be a men and women after his own heart. And there is a time where we must not obey unjust laws. But when medical experts and scientists are advising us that uh, this is the best way to uh, not only protect our own health, but the health of, our, uh, of others who are in our society. And that's, that's really where I think uh, we have to really take heed and to the best of our abilities and, and particularly until we uh, that is scientists really understand this particular virus and can have an effective way to treat the symptoms the people who are infected and hopefully 
be able to develop a vaccine for immunity, then we have to take some precautions because uh, there are so many people who actually have the virus who are infected, but they are asymptomatic. They have no symptoms, no high fever, no cough. Um, so, and they can spread that virus to others who are much more susceptible to the effects of the virus. And that's really why uh, I think it is so dangerous and so irresponsible when we don't follow that advice and try to socially distance ourselves and try to, as best as we can, uh, take those precautions because it's not only your health, but it's the health of the person who is next to you. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the um, other issues I want to address, um, like given that he was, you know, the, the leader of this church, someone, like given that this is a larger church, someone had to feel like this is a bad idea. And they either lack the motivation or they lack the means to kind of uh, address him and or address the leadership. And so how important do you feel it is to, you know, uh, address leadership, whether it's in a church or uh, a society larger, you know, a city or a state or something Um as believers in Christ, like how important is it for us to uh, sort of check our leaders when they, you know, either they're messing up, like they have good intentions possibly, but they're, they're making some mistakes or whatever, or they're running amok and being just terrible in general. Well, that opens up uh, a wide area of conversation because we got time. I think, I think first of all, we, um, have to be able to speak truth to power. Uh, Jesus Christ never backed down. Um, he always faced those who were in authority, those who were in power, and in large part because uh, when you have authority, you have a much greater responsibility than those who don't. And it's, it is important to be able to speak what is true even in spite of potential consequences. And sometimes uh, those, consequence, those consequences may be uh, incarceration. They may even be death. But it is very important to be able to voice your opinion and to let those who are in authority, those who are in leadership, know um, at least to apprise them of the things you believe that are incorrect or wrong or dangerous, whatever the case is. Uh, because without that, um, then leadership really changes and uh, leaders trend toward becoming autocrats and making unilateral decisions and fiats and decrees as opposed to understanding the needs of the people and leading the people uh, toward their best interest. Mm -hmm. It's definitely um, a big deal, you know, the how important leadership is, and especially in a time of, of crisis like this. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that we have people actively protesting um, the quarantine. Uh, I've seen people gathering in several states, including ours in Tennessee, wanting the 
you know, the quarantine to be lifted and want the um, businesses and whatnot to be opened back up. Um, it's interesting that people are kind of disregarding their safety, the safety of others uh, in this time when we really need to be kind of buckling down um, and taking care of each other. I certainly agree with that. I will say a couple of things, and that is everyone wants the economy to be reopened. There are not many who, uh, during this time, don't want things to turn back to uh, or to go back to what we considered normal. And that's a natural instinct in that uh, particularly if you've been laid off, if you've been furloughed, there's economic uncertainty. Um, but that's really, at a time like this, this is really where leadership is required. The right type of leadership is required. The type of leader that can unite the nation, that can say in one uniform or united voice, I should say, that listen, this is going to be tough for a month or two, maybe three, maybe four. But if we don't abide by these uh, guidelines, then that month or two or three or four is going to spread out to six months, eight months, a year, maybe 18 months. Uh, because if we don't understand fully, one, who has the virus, where they are, how it's spreading, those who they may have been in contact with, and two then who may have already had the virus and now might actually be immune and understand the development of a vaccine, then it's very easy to have flare-up after flare-up after flare-up in various parts of the nation. Case in point, um, in the Dakotas and Carolinas and various areas where um, there's, uh, there are plants for meat packing, uh, particularly, uh, I believe, the company Smithfield, where hundreds of employees have tested positive for COVID-19. Hundreds of employees in one company, in one manufacturing facility. So it says that this is not a hoax. This thing is real as much as we want the economy to reopen and things to be, to go back to normal, we're not in normal times. And so effective leadership says to us, it's going to be tough for a few months, but if we tough it out these few months, we can make the time that we have to do that as short as possible. But if we uh, are constantly, uh, breaking these guidelines and gathering in large groups and even with the protests. And I understand the protests to some extent uh, because I would like the economy to open back up uh, as well. Um, however, it's let's take the cautions that we need to take now because there's so much that's still unknown and that will help us in the long run. And so it's kind of pay me now or pay me later. Uh, we don't want this virus flaring up again and again and again and again uh, all over the world. We want to be able to understand it fully, have these early months 
be the toughest months so that as we go further into the future, we can begin to ease up on these restrictions and return to at least some sense of normalcy uh, as best we can. So as a pastor, how have you um, addressed the situation? Like what kind of changes have you made to uh, still, you know, pastor, but keep your uh, congregation safe? Well, we have suspended our services until further further notice. Um, a pastor, First Baptist Church in Clarkson, Mississippi, which, by the way, does have a number of uh, positive cases of COVID-19. Uh, in fact, the pastor next door, uh, Bishop T.T. T. Scott, is now deceased from complications related to COVID-19. His son uh, passed about a week or so after uh, Bishop Scott passed. And so it is a very real thing. So we have suspended services and we're online uh, in a rudimentary way using GoToMeeting. Um, and that has worked out reasonably well. The one thing that has been a surprise to me, a pleasant one and really a blessing, and that is uh, through this medium, we actually have an opportunity to talk to each other more. Many times when you're in a worship service at your facility, uh, you say hello and you exchange pleasantries. But through this medium uh, that we're using online, we actually get a chance to talk to each other and to really see how people are doing it. Uh, not them only, but how their families are doing. How is that niece in California or Louisiana? How is she doing? Or uh, how is your son doing in, in uh, Germany or whatever the case is? And so it gives us an opportunity to chat a lot more, uh, actually, as a church family, as a body. And because we don't have to travel, uh, even though we, we do want to get together and we really want to be able to see each other, touch each other and hug each other uh, and just really see how we're doing physically. At least it is a way for us to communicate with each other and to uh, express uh, our not only our concerns, but also our welfare so that we're aware and communicating in ways now that we had not before. Are you able to reach um, like a different audience? Like, can you reach people that you normally would not be able to see on a regular Sunday service? Yes, that has been a blessing as well. We've had people from as far away as uh, Germany uh, to join in um, various parts of the nation, those who are family members of our church members, and then some of our members who uh, had not uh, been physically at the facility for some time are dialing in on a regular basis, not only on Sunday mornings, but also on Tuesdays for Bible study. And so that portion has been a blessing. And so we, uh, as we go forward, we'll be looking to develop uh, an online presence so that we are persistently and consistently online uh, in addition to the physical facilities and worship together. Okay. I mean, it's nothing like a, a little bit of crisis to move things forward, you know? Absolutely. Uh, um, I guess that's, uh, that's about it. You know, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, take care of yourself. 
I serve in the will. The pleasure is all mine. Uh, give my love to your family. Will do. All right. I'm not going to lie. This is probably the first episode in the history of this show that has zero profanity. But I guess that's my dad. You know, he's still a little intimidating. Yeah. Cue the music. Thank you.